0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we talk about the strange, the bizarre, and the convoluted films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are only mildly excited um, to talk about a 1988 Roberta Finlay film, Prime Evil. My name is Luke. I'm joined by Leland. Listeners.
1: Regrettably, you can find 1987's Prime Evil on YouTube for free. But even that is too high a price to pay.
0: So this is our second Roberta Finlay film. Um, she was like co-director, producer, voiceover talent for Janie. And then this is one of a string of horror movies that she made in the mid to late 80s. Um and of the ones I've seen, it is undisputably the worst. I'm going to ask you the first question.
1: Before, before we decide to do this episode, have you seen this film? <laughs> no. Oh. It's a first-time
0: first, first time watch for me.
1: First-time watch for both of us. How unfortunate.
0: Yeah. I I picked it because of Roberta Finlay's, like, Catalog, right, of horror movies. First, she made The Oracle, which is not a good movie, but it's from 1985. It feels like it's from 1985. It's kind of cheesy and fun. Then she made Tenement, which is a gritty New York gang violence film that I don't love it, but I think it's well done. Like I it it's you know, it's a group of people trapped in a tenement apartment. And these people are gradually forcing them higher and higher into the building. Um, And so it's got kind of this cool tense setup and it feels very authentic. And that's what I was hoping, you know, this movie would be like. Um, He made Lurkers, which is or she made Lurkers, which is pretty bad. And Blood Sisters, I don't remember how that is. Um, I've seen it a long time ago but anyway my expectation was not for Prime Evil to be quite the piece of trash that it is
1: I do think it gets the grimy part right
0: yeah there is some like it is shot in New York in the 80s and there are some like great location shots but they're not the bulk of the movie the bulk of the movie could really take place anywhere like do you think that do you think it's grimy because of the the setting or the story? Mm, I think it's a combination of the, f- <laughs> the the quality
1: of the footage and the setting. Uh the story has some has some moments this but the, the the writing is not great.
0: There is a surprising number of characters in this film. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Who are for at least the first half were difficult for me to remember and and remember how they related to one another. By the time I had got it, like got it down, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> so it's, it's impossible to get attached. I mean, maybe this is just me, but I found it impossible to get attached to any character in the movie. Like normally if I'm watching a bad movie, it's at least redeemed by the fact that it has a character I like, or it has um, some interesting plot dimension, or at least there's something that I can engage with. And this movie just doesn't have anything like that.
1: I didn't. (sighs) It is a little bit like a, like a modern day comic book movie where in like the first like 30 minutes, they, the narrative is spliced between a ton of different characters but the the difference between you know a comic book movie is you generally go into it kind of having an idea of who those characters be and here it's just a bunch of white people that look the same
0: and who don't have because the movie is divided between so many people, it doesn't have time to develop any of the people in it. So we don't end up finding out anything about like these people's interests or personalities or relationships outside of the, the plot of the movie. And that makes it hard to get involved. We're really selling this film, huh? And no, I, I, no, I don't think there's any reason any listener should watch this film hopefully we can milk some enjoyable discussion out of it. um i can think of at least
1: maybe just one. i can think of one scene that that is worth watching. but like watching 40 seconds out of a film that's uh an hour and 22 minutes long is not great. that's not a good look.
0: yeah. well, let's let's briefly talk about the people involved here and then we'll um We'll play the trailer and we can talk about the scenes. I, I mean, it it almost feels beside the point to get into any of these actors or actresses. Um, but let's start with uh, William Beckwith, who plays Thomas Seaton, the Satan worshiper. Wait, that's really his last name? That's really the character's last name in the movie. I'm sorry, how is that spelled? S E A T O N. Wow. No, <laughs> no one's going to crack that code. <laughs> I noticed it right away in the movie because it it sounds so similar if you're just listening, you know, if you're half listening. I don't even remember the
1: names in this movie. You know, let's talk about the audio balance real quick. Oh, it's, it's terrible. terrible. Absolutely terrible. terrible. Oh man. Uh there are a lot of scenes where I had a
0: had difficulty understanding what was going on. There were probably si- between six and eight scenes that I rewound and lit and watched again to try to catch what the dialogue was. was one of those scenes
1: the uh the gym workout? Yes yes oh man,
0: I don't know why, but that that was a that was a standout scene for me. Yeah, it's it's really tough to hear a lot of what these characters are saying. And um, all, I mean, it it is difficult at times to tell what's going on in this movie. But, it, you know, the story never got in the way of the plot. I, I could tell what was going on. Hmm. So, yeah, this guy, uh, William Beck, Beckwith, who plays Thomas Seaton, uh, this <laughs> this was his first movie. Um he went on to have uh be in 13 other movies, so he, he's had a career. Uh, he was in such masterpieces as Tromeo and Juliet and Thrilled to Death as the older male body. What do you as think? A, of, okay, like
1: so as as like a generic opposing authority figure, I, I he he did his he did his part. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Unfortunately, this man could not write his own lines to replace the dialogue he was given.
0: Yeah, I actually don't think anybody's acting is a problem in this movie. I just don't think they have anything to work with. Uh, strong, strongly, strongly agree. Yeah, I think if you had given this role or if you had been able to get for this role, someone like Vincent Price that could ham it up and really like be compelling on their own. Like you would want to watch their magnetism. It might work, but otherwise outside of those like few rare people on the planet who have that power. I don't think anyone could pull off this, this dialogue or this plot.
1: I, I don't even think Vincent Price could save this film.
0: Oh, I'm not saying that the film would be saved. Just the role. Um, so he plays our our lead uh, priest, secretly Satanist uh, villain in the movie, and then we have a a trio of of women characters, Christine Moore as Alexandra Parkman, who is, if I understand this correctly, she is sort of a a rehab counselor or a social worker. I I, I assumed a social worker.
1: Yeah she's, yeah, she's she has an office. She has an office. She's very official.
0: <laughs> yeah. and she's working with um a client, I guess, uh, Kathy, who's played by Ruth Collins, and Kathy is just getting sober. I I think she was like thirty days at the beginning of the movie, right? I am not going to remember those little details. Okay, all right. Um, <laughs>
1: I know I'm normally the
0: detail guy. Not in this movie. I, I don't think they matter anyway. Um, but anyway, so we have Alexandra, her client, Kathy. And then we have Mavis Harris, who plays Sister Angela. And this is a a, a nun who decides to go undercover to try to infiltrate the cult. So did you care about any of these characters more than the others like was there any storyline that you wished the movie had followed i'm considering if the
1: film could have been stronger if it focused on just one character i think it would have been you know it it would have been a stronger film because it would have been a shorter film i mean
0: i think i think
1: the I know I'm getting into review territory already. Oh, we're we're going to review territory this entire episode.
0: the The reason I think you can't get attached to any of the characters, and I think that's the major reason the movie doesn't work, um, and the reason that none of them are memorable and they all blend together, is because you don't get to spend sufficient time with any of them. It's not a significantly long movie. It's an hour and twenty seven minutes. So, hour and a half, not a significantly long movie, but it feels longer because there's like four miniature movies packed in here. And when you're you're com- when you're uh condensing movies down to that brief a time, it's impossible to care about what's happening. That's just that's how I felt anyway. I I have
1: not looked it up, but I'm willing to put money on whoever wrote this script normally wrote novels.
0: So it was written by two people, Ed Kelleher, who wrote some other trashy horror movies, including Invasion of the Blood Farmers, which, if you've seen it, is borderline unwatchable. Um, But he did write a novel, The School, uh, which became a movie, Voodoo Dolls. And um, he wrote the novel Madonna, a case of blood ambition, but the other writer is Harriet Vidal, who also co-wrote those other things, for the most part. Wow! So they were they were a writing duo. Apparently, yeah they both uh, they both worked on Voodoo Dolls and Madonna, as well as the Roberta Finlay films Prime Evil and Lurkers. So, so the way this film progresses,
1: it feels like. Someone is writing a novel that uses different chapters for different characters, you know, along along the popular lines of, you know, um, Game of Thrones and Wheel of Time and all that stuff, except it's um, it's, you can't really do that for a film that's only an hour. And so
0: that's exactly my point. Yeah, Yeah, you're spot on with the novel characterization. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's that's definitely right. All right, let's play the trailer, and then we'll talk more about this convoluted story. Do we have to? Since the
1: mid-1300s, a time when the Black Plague decimated more than half of Europe, there has been great turmoil within the church. Lucifer sees this opportunity and chose a leader to recruit a great following and administer his prime evil throughout the world and now he wants you and i think your phony priest has something to do with it
0: oh come on and that's Bill not, not all this again. that's not all
1: i think your grandfather's involved why does he look so young alex listen i think your life is in danger never forget Alexandra, that I, love you. I love you too thomas do you know who she is They must be destroyed. She was obviously drinking and choked on her own bump. So,
0: uh, apologies for a two-minute trailer that's mostly sound effects. Um, did you find it? Um, how did they phrase it? A story about the search for everlasting life. Well, I mean, it
1: is about the search for everlasting life. Yeah. For some people. Um, here's the big thing that I got out of that trailer, um, and, and there's there was tits in it. No, oh, were and, there? Uh, yeah, and uh, I can tell you that the version I watched on YouTube did not have any nudity in it. The the one on YouTube is an hour and 20-something, 20 like 22 minutes. And you just earlier on, I, I'm assuming you read it off IMDb, got the runtime of like an hour and 27 minutes. Am I missing like
0: five minutes of like raw satanic cult sex? Uh, Perhaps I mean if you missed it, I missed it too because I I watched one on YouTube. Hmm. Man, we sat through all that and we didn't
1: even get we didn't even get the nudity, the gratuitous nudity. Hmm. Oh
0: well. This movie starts with a a, a flashback to the Middle Ages and tells us that the Black Death has destroyed half of Europe and that the fallen angel Lucifer seized this opportunity and chose a leader who would like summon other followers around him or something. I don't know. It's a silly voiceover. Did you notice that there is a voiceover and then it really never comes back?
1: Was there a voiceover? Yeah, in the very beginning. Dude, I thought that was just some monk talking in the fucking corner to candles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway so i just thought it was weird that there was uh like i kind of liked the voiceover to be honest and i usually hate them but i thought the mov- movie could have used more of that to, ex- to to explain the very convoluted plot <laughs> you know that might actually be helpful yeah. <laughs> that might have been helpful it at least could have helped me learn their names
1: well, you'd see like a, the camera pan over to like a city shot and then like this some monk in a, in a cathedral from like centuries earlier describes what's happening in like Christine's apartment just to set the stage.
0: Yeah. Or like when when we first uh, meet Kathy, it could say something like Kathy is with her boyfriend. They're visiting the shelter where she's one month sober. Let's listen in. <laughs> no, no. Oh, it's listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like a wildlife documentary, you know? <laughs> oh, no. That could work for this movie.
1: There's a lot that could have worked for this movie, but I think that's because at this point, you're just throwing anything at the wall. You're trying anything to save this patient.
0: Well, basically, what happens in this flashback is that the Priest who ends up being uh what's his name? Who we already talked about, um Sutan, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the fuck it is, Father Thomas Se- Setan. Yeah, Setan.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so Reverend Setan decides to have a, a rebellion among the the monks or the priests to turn to Satan, and. Those who won't follow him, he uses a sword and beheads. It's not easy to see what's going on. It's like super dark, but otherwise, I thought this was a cool way to set up the movie. I was, I was pretty hyped for what was going to happen.
1: This was kind of the canary in the coal mine for me. The scene ends very abruptly as uh, some monk tumbles down the stairs. And the movie cuts to present day in the middle of him tumbling. Like it doesn't even finish.
0: <laughs> as soon as that happened, I went, oh no. <laughs> there are lots of sloppy editing things like that in this movie. Just weird choices that that are jarring. Did um I don't remember if it's before or after that scene, but do you remember? Uh, sort of the pulsing Satan puppet that we see over the credits. (laughs) The
1: satanic Muppet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It has the same Kermit the Frog
0: arms (laughs) on the sticks. It waves around. I will have your soul. (laughs) Yeah, it's really silly. What I, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but what did you think of the Satan in this movie compared to the Satan in Asylum of Satan? Uh you know, I, I hate to say this, but I think um I think this movie
1: probably had a better Satan if you just ignore the arms. What about this one compared to uh the demon lover? That's that wasn't Satan. That was just some run-of-the-mill devil.
0: Oh, I see. But mm-hmm. you know, still comparatively.
1: Comparatively. Uh well, okay. So um I'm pretty sure the prime evil Satan here is what, like two feet tall? something like that. And and they're just aiming the camera up. So yeah. I guess there's a little bit of compensation there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man's using that setting on the iPhone that like makes the bananas look longer, you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. 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 So is that a, is that a, a effective thing or not? You know, I think I I think I prefer uh the the demon lover over that.
0: I think I do too. Yeah. Good. We're on the same page. Okay. Great. So, once we switch to present day, there's a priest who's going to see uh, the bishop, but he seems to be having a heart attack. And shortly after that, there's a satanic ceremony going on. I'm not sure what the purpose of the heart attack was. Do you remember this? Apparently, the Satanist cult gave him the heart
1: attack because he discovered their presence.
0: Oh, yeah. And they basically say that like anybody who knows of them has to join them or die yeah but apparently apparently this coven or whatever they call themselves um their shtick is that every 13 years they have to sacrifice somebody uh preferably a virgin to satan and then they get to live immortal with immortality this premise is okay yeah it's fine it's fine it's all right I mean part of the problem for this movie is there's plenty of other satanic movies that do what this movie did better specifically sacrificing people for in
1: for like a bootleg immortality
0: no but similar thing like similar movies in terms of there's a secretive satanic cult in the city and like some of the priests are in on it and someone's investigating. There's there's a lot of movies that sort of fit that template. Oh, yeah. But like,
1: I'm not going to I'm not going to hold that against the film. There's plenty more in, in my handfuls
0: that I can put towards this film. But but not that I'm trying to remember what some of them are called. There, There's one with um, there's one with one of the Sheen's. Is it called the Believers? Yeah, the Believers with Martin Sheen. This one is pretty good um, from 1987. It's about a New York psychiatrist that finds uh, a cult that believes in child sacrifice. Very similar to this movie, but better. Anyway. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen that one, but I will probably try to watch that one.
0: It's not It's not good like, oh, I'd want to talk about it on the podcast good. Oh, it. Right. It's good like, it's... It's similar to those, um, I don't know if you're going to know what I'm talking about, but like made for TV horror movies of that period that like aren't real gory or anything, but they follow an investigation that's going on.
1: Hey, following an investigation is fine as long as it's written well. The problem is it's really hard to write a good investigation in a environ in like a, a media environment of which there are tons of films and plots involving investigations.
0: Well if I remember correctly, the uh the believers is based on a novel and it has that same sort of intricacy to it. And I think some of it gets sort of lost in translation. So there's some things that are confusing, but I don't know. Watch it and tell me what if if it holds up and then I'll I'll watch it.
1: Okay. All right. Anyway, well, yo, are we really doing a scene by scene of this film?
0: No, I'm just setting the groundwork for like what's going to happen going forward. Okay. So basically in the present, it, it's, you know, what's weird about this movie?
1: Okay. And like so, every, everything is kind of like off kilter.
0: But the first thing that really like confused me is we have a scene in like the middle ages and then it jumps to New England and it says the present. But then it jumps another 13 years without telling us anything. So it obviously Wait. wasn't the present before.
1: Um, I'm all about like faking like I know what I'm talking about sometimes, but there's a second time jump.
0: Yes. What? If When? All right, if I understand
1: it correctly, we see a- oh, a... oh, my God. You mean there's a time jump after the first... Oh, you are right. That would That yeah. make no sense. Does it yeah, tell because- us
0: that? No, it doesn't. That's why I'm saying it's confusing. But it's clear that that's what happened, because at the beginning, we see the cult sacrificing somebody, and then they're like, oh, well, it's been 13 years. We need a new sacrifice. Do you think that... Uh- Hmm.
1: Okay, so I just want to make sure every 13 years there's like a mass sacrifice or does every cultist get their own sacrifice every 13 years and sometimes think, they like double, triple up?
0: I think as a group they just have to sacrifice one virgin. In order to give all of them extra
1: life? Yes. Yes. For some reason, I thought it was like on an individual basis. Like if you wanted the life, you had to bring the meat.
0: I think what it was is that each time a different person was responsible for like getting the sacrifice. Oh, God.
1: I'm having group project flashbacks from college. Can you imagine like you have the one asshole cultist who slacks off and doesn't bring their their sacrifice on the day of the, the the presentation
0: i mean i guess you become you the scrounge sacrifice. the night
1: yo know, and then everyone else has to scrounge the night before to, to pull up a a worthy sacrifice or you become you become the sacrifice hmm no we can't do that because i remember uh father not satan saying that Satan that, that, that lucifer hates losing any of his children yeah, his family cannot lose any followers, okay. which is really strange to me. I just feel like in this kind of a cult, it would be reckless abandonment. We to to there would be no reservations to cutting out the weak parts of the group in something it, like this.
0: Well, it's it's not clear if it has to be a virgin or if it's just ideally a virgin for some reason. I'm positive it doesn't have to be a virgin. But they do talk about it being a positive that she's a virgin a few times and the grandfather says that he helped raise her to remain a virgin. Okay, but
1: let's let's go a little further because there's more than one person who is
0: s- scheduled to be sacrificed. I'm not sure about that. She's brought in with like there's two other people who have been kidnapped with her, right? But I don't think they're to be sacrificed. I think they're to be indoctrinated as new members. But I think all, she's the sacrifice.
1: The jump ahead to the end of the film, they're all dressed the same. Like the three women are dressed the same. So I assume they were going to sacrifice all three of them.
0: I was unsure as I was watching it, but ultimately, ultimately, I decided that no, they weren't going to be sacrifices and that they just needed this one virgin sacrifice. And the grandfather raised her, groomed her in advance to be the sacrifice. So he helped ensure she remained a virgin.
1: I was under the impression that they were going to sacrifice three people. And the movie bothered, and maybe this is me trying to give this film too much credit. Bothered to try to humanize all three victims by showing us their backstories. Because one of the girls that the one we were just talking about, um, that well, actually, no, we were talking about. Okay, so the three victims, let's just start there, right? We have granddaughter, we have troubled youth, and then we have the Oh no, I'm confusing women. I'm thinking women are the same people.
0: Okay, I I can I can tell you clearly who's who. Okay, yeah, man, help me out. All right, so Kathy is the one that you called the troubled youth. She's the one okay. that's just gotten out of rehab. Alex or Alexandra is the granddaughter. She's the one who has been groomed to be a sacrifice. And then the third one, what is her name? I don't remember the third one at all. She is the third one, the one that's kidnapped from the swimming pool. Here's the thing, like the the social
1: worker is the social worker one of the sacrifices. Is the she, social worker she, also the granddaughter? The social worker is the granddaughter. Okay. So Alexandra.
0: The third girl was she taken from the gym? Yeah, from the pool, I think. She's in there's a very silly scene where she's in the pool and the sort of satanic henchman jumps in after her. Right.
1: But I'm I'm saying, like, was she one of the granddaughter's friends from the gym? I think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So those were the three sacrifices. All right. That's that's yeah. what I had in my head. Okay. All right. Just wasn't um, sure if the granddaughter was the social worker or not.
0: Well, you can tell, like, from the way we're trying to sort it out, that there's way too many characters and plot strands in this movie that are not shown or edited together in a clear way. So, it, it, as you're watching it, you're struggling to piece all this together. And every time there was a transition, I thought, all right, now who is this character again? And how is this character related to that character again? and i i kept rewinding and rewatching things maybe i worked too hard on this movie we're professionals this is this is what we have to do nah i think this is hardly professional <laughs> the woman we haven't talked about is sister angela she's the nun that goes undercover to infiltrate the satanic cult uh but in the scene where she approaches the bishop to like get his permission to do this. It's very weird. She's like, Oh, I know about this cult. She recognizes their medallion. She says that she lived as Egypt and in Egypt as a child and that she was there that her family or her, she was devoted to those people. And, um, one night she was taken to this hall and chained to a cross and her father came and rescued her at the last minute so does all that mean that the origin of this cult is egypt
1: yeah which doesn't really make sense considering the film started in a, uh, you know black plague infected europe
0: yeah, it's supposed to be satanic, right? Maybe there's just like a branch in Egypt. You could certainly have a satanic cult in Egypt, but... But she says it's this one, and she recognizes the medallion.
1: I just had a thought, and it's... Have, has there ever been a movie that's addressed like a satanic cult in, like, in a primarily Islamic in society?
0: I have seen a couple movies within the last few years. I'm trying to remember the names that were essentially like Islamic horror movies or but they weren't really like Satan or, you know, I don't know if within Islam they have the same like concept of Satan as Christians do. I don't know. Because That's
1: really the only the only issue I would see with having a satanic cult come out of Egypt. Is what? Is that the society is primarily Islamic, right?
0: Yeah, I mean there is definitely a Christian and Jewish population in Egypt, but I don't know how large they are.
1: I mean they're persecuted, so they can't be that. That anyway.
0: So let's not get into that. I do not deal with that. Yeah, there's some lack of clarity there. Um, but anyway, for whatever reason, this nun really wants to infiltrate the cult do you think this would work
1: their plan you're satan the lord of lies
0: you're gonna try to deceive him good luck i mean does like the cult leader uh father thomas at one point says like oh if you deceive satan he'll strike you dead or he'll um, torment you in hell, or I forget what he says, but it's something that suggests you're going to be punished severely, um, but that doesn't seem to affect her at all. And oh, I'm not... I mean, he,
1: okay, first off, if you go to hell, Satan's going to torture you anyway. I don't oh, think it really matters why you're going. <laughs> right. But... You know, the, these high... These high and mighty religious leaders are going to say whatever they can to kind of, you know, intimidate their flock into into like cooperation. Right. If there's going to be any dissent, especially among a group of sociopathic Satanists, like the only kind of of restraint they understand is power and strength. Like you have to keep them in line through threats.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. What did you think of the, uh, the like henchman character who was sent to kidnap the girls and to kill people? Yo, before we get into that character, um, let's, let's just talk about the sister
1: for a little bit. I think she has the best scene in the film. It, it, when, when the sister is brought into the cult, there is the ritual where they have her come in with the hammer and bash the crucifix. Yeah while everybody is watching and there's the, the poster of Baphomet on the back wall. um, I I think that is probably the best scene in the movie.
0: I mean, it's definitely the most iconic and there are, this movie does a decent job with, with setting and authenticity and like, I like a lot of the imagery in it, but um, I don't know that the scene like stuck out or was memorable for me. Really? Oh, and then she stripped off her habit and threw it in a burning fire. Oh, I do remember
1: that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is the best scene of the whole film. I mean, when you're making a film about Satanism, you know, you have to be, you have to be blasphemous. And this was really the only scene where the blasphemy really shown through.
0: I mean, I, I was kind of disappointed that the movie loses track of this character because this to me was the most interesting
1: I agree. Um, it, this, this should have been the main character.
0: Like, we have a whole lot of time spent on this side plot where, uh, where Alex and her boyfriend or fiancé are dating and she doesn't want to have sex yet, and he does. And she eventually gets into the reasoning that she doesn't want to have sex is because... As a child, her father took pictures of her, like pornographic pictures of her with a little boy, and she's too traumatized. And like, all of that is, it's just too much to not make a whole movie about. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's kind of a pattern with mo- with a lot of the
1: main Uh, women in this film is that they openly talk about horrible traumatic things from their childhood
0: to the point where i'm like was this someone's kink (laughs) i think they just thought that it like built-in character motivation and it does but i don't need to know every character's trauma story yeah see that's what it felt like every character was telling their horrible
1: trauma trauma to the screen and, and and a film that maybe was more powerful, more meaningful. That would resonate more. But this is
0: primeval. <laughs> <laughs> that that whole back that whole background I was just talking about about the uh, the child porn. She tells him all that like while they're in a romantic horse drawn carriage. It's such oh a god! It's so out of place. I know it's such a weird place to have that conversation. Yo, imagine being the 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 driver. And you have to pretend you're not hearing this. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> he even tells her like she can drop it. it. It it comes up because he is he rubs her leg or flirts with her or something and. He's like, maybe later we can, you know, sleep together. Um, And she says, no, no, I can't. But I think I owe you an explanation. He says, oh, no, you don't have to explain. She's like, no, I want to. So it was totally unnecessary to do it in that place and time. And it was weird. It was I laughed, though, at that scene. Yeah, it, it felt a little bad, though, just a little bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to be laughing at it. I was laughing at the the absurdity and ineptitude of it. Yeah, yeah. So that girl, Alex, her father was abusive, and his father is one of the Satanists who secretly wants to take over the entire coven, and for that matter, the world. He says that he's going to rule by Satan at some point for all eternity uh so this is a very um strange lineage she has this man is delusional even for a cultist
1: There, there's no way this man has the power and the charisma or the vaguely coded satanic last name to ever be put at the head
0: of this coven Oh, I'm not even talking about uh, Thomas Seaton. I'm talking about the the
1: grandfather. That's what I'm saying. Like, he doesn't have the satanic coded last name to take
0: the head. Oh, I understand now. Yeah, yeah, I got you. No, I have no idea why he thinks that he. He just he doesn't he's not the leadership type, but also like how old is this man supposed to be?
1: Well, according to the granddaughter's boyfriend, he looks extremely young for a grandfather, but he looks like a grandfather.
0: Yeah, I think he looks like he's probably in his 60s. Yeah, I'd say that, about that. But apparently he's at least like twice that old. Um, but I'm not sure how you would get away with that. Like, I'm not sure how nobody, especially in your family would question your unaging complexion. I mean, you could probably get
1: around that. Uh, what you p- couldn't dodge would be the social security uh, you know, branch of the government coming after you to make sure you're not committing fraud.
0: Yeah, I, I I'm not sure how logistically it would work to be an immortal being in today's society
1: you'd have to like live off the grid in some national park. You'd be miserable.
0: That's why like uh interview with the vampire had to be set like in other uh other centuries for it to make sense. Mm, no, I mean it, they do tackle the modern day near
1: the end of the film. But and... they don't they don't reach like cell phone period, right? No, cuz th- it was the it was the fucking 90s. Cell phones weren't s- spread
0: out yet true that was a weird
1: but, um, but you do have Tom Cruise's character living as basically a homeless derelict for who knows how long because he was unable to integrate himself back into society as a believably living person Because mm-hmm. like how how do you do that right you're, you know you look like you're in your like 30 like 30 30 30 to 40 right how do you like get yourself in, you know will it let, let's not get down that path that we primeval primeval yeah. is the movie we're talk about
0: yeah so what did you what did you think about the satanic henchmen that kidnapped the girls and murdered people when necessary all right so you you are the herald of
1: satan you have a clandestine cult at your disposal Seemingly infinite funds to purchase any large, imposing cathedral or old building to establish as your headquarters. And you're telling me the only muscle that you can afford to send out is your fucking maintenance man?
0: Yeah, all this is very low low
1: budget. Very low profile, maybe. Maybe this is like a a sign of how modern corporations spend their money right like they they will dump it into their their large office headquarters downtown and then they pay their employees like pitiful amounts of money to just do like basic work or like overwork and and then they complain about the results I, i i don't understand this i realize the scope of this movie can't be like huge But, dude, this guy is supposed to be fixing, like, water heaters and draining, like, AC units. Why do they have this man jumping into pools at the YMCA snatching women?
0: (laughs) I think they could have gotten away with it if this guy was, like, an impressive, like, if they had Arnold Schwarzenegger play this part, right? Like, that that would work. But this guy, he doesn't look like he's going to, like, take on anybody there's a moment where um where he can't get this guy to confess so he just twists his neck around um with his bare hands uh, it doesn't look like he could do that
1: no and there's a lot of other scenes of him struggling with characters that if, if you had that kind of strength it would just be very trivial right so he's not I think that you could get a better asset. I mean, as far as his appearances, right? You can have, like, some Joe Schmo guy, like, do dirty work. But it's just strange to me that they have this just giant, tall, this tall maintenance guy. that That is their muscle.
0: Six-foot maintenance guy. Also, like... I mean, and maybe this is fairer of New York in the eighties, but no nobody, no police or law enforcement have caught on to this same guy always being around the scene of all of these murders. There is a police investigation. How do they how do they
1: eventually tie it? Speaking of like the one of fifty fucking characters in this film, how do these two detectives narrow it down to um, you know? Uh, Reverend
0: Saiten's <laughs> operation. Because, because Bill, who is Alex's boyfriend, um, has figured this all out and he calls the police and he's like, I know you don't believe me, but there's these Satanists that secretly stay at the church and they have kidnapped my girlfriend and they are going to sacrifice her tonight. If you don't get involved and then, so they don't believe him, but then he's pushed off the roof and dies. And so the detective is like, well, maybe his story has some merit after all. He's not
1: just pushed off a building. He's also stabbed in the heart with a screwdriver and somehow still manages to climb the stairs to like 25, 30 stories. (laughs)
0: Hey, he's uh he's got the power of god on his side. Does he though? This this is one of those characters
1: from the 80s where this man is definitely an overcontrolling pseudo abusive boyfriend and uh he's somehow he's put into the hero role just because he's able to identify that someone else is trying to victimize his girlfriend.
0: What what does he do that's abusive?
1: he's incredibly jealous like even before the actual things he should be jealous
0: of start happening i i agree with that and i could say like i would say he's possessive and maybe a little creepy but i don't think he's abusive and
1: maybe that is jumping jumping i don't know would that sort of thing be be equated as abuse in modern day relationships i don't know i'd have to rewatch it and like more carefully pay attention to how he behaved I just know that by today's standards,
0: um, he, he would be seen as uh, unacceptable. I mean, basically, his, what's going on in the movie is that every time his girlfriend, Alex, is around the Satanist, uh, Father Thomas Seaton... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it with a different vowel. Every time they're together, they... um like get very close. They seem very intimate. And he perceives Bill perceives that there's something, some flirtation going on between them. And he's like, what's up with this? This guy isn't acting like a priest. Like you need to stay away from him because he's trying to make a move on you. And she's like, no, it's not sexual. He's, you know, he's just my priest. So That's the dynamic we're talking about.
1: Meanwhile, he is hypnotizing her and totally making out with her behind his back.
0: Yes, he he has the remarkable ability to hypnotize these women merely by looking into their eyes. Yeah, this is a hypnotism film, by the way. Yeah, it it, it's so subtle that you could miss it. I expected the the hypnotism to play a much bigger role. Hmm. This movie just takes for granted that of course a satanist would be able to control people with his eyes.
1: Why do you even need to go through all the trouble of acquiring sacrifices by grooming and kidnapping plots when you can just look at someone in the street and just bleed them into your temple?
0: Yeah, I really don't understand that that all of this is is shockingly elaborate like you operate out of a church and you had to groom someone from birth to remain a virgin. I am sure you could find a virgin among the young women who attend church. Mm, Maybe. I don't know. I think that. I think that the whole grooming thing is a little far-fetched. And I also think that the grandfather is surprisingly cool with sacrificing his granddaughter. Oh, yeah, he's a Satanist. Just no moral scruples there. He does say at some point that, like, of course he sacrificed his son because his son was abusing his daughter and he deserved it. But he doesn't think that Alex deserves it. Hey, whatever, man. It's the thirteen years are up. <laughs>
1: but like, if if this man, if this cult has to keep bringing people every thirteen years, why is this one man responsible for all the
0: the BYOs, the bring your own sacrifice? I did wonder about that. I because my impression was that they all took turns, but now he's responsible for two in a row. Maybe it's because he. This is part of his plan to take over.
1: Like, hey guys, I, I bring all the sacrifices. Yeah, he's running out of family though. Surely. Yeah,
0: I think it's just him, because he 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 kills Bill Alex's girlfriend, and he also or Alex's boyfriend, and he also kills Alex's mom, who is on to him. Like she doesn't. It, he. There's a side plot where um, the the lead or the, the second in command Satanist wants his granddaughter, Alex, to come live with him and her, her mother is opposed. And so he basically just has the mother murdered. She's like pseudo waterboarded in bed. Yeah, it's a very weird
1: murder. Like one of them is strangling her and the other one's pouring water down her, her throat. Yeah, I don't.
0: I, would you die this quickly from this from strangling sure from no from the from water, the water. Poured in
1: your face
0: probably not no yeah i i just I, i'm i'm sure it would work but i think it would take longer than they show in the movie well it definitely would have been
1: noisier than portrayed in the film yeah cuz they portray it like a stealth kill like they like these two assassins infiltrate the house and and murder her mom But without alerting
0: the daughter in the next room, which I was this would have caused some ruckus. uh, Well, she was screaming for help. So I was confused that the daughter could not hear like, you know, there's a similar scene in Nightmare on Elm Street where Johnny Depp can't hear her, but he's wearing like these huge headphones, like those big space helmet style um, headphones here. She's just talking on the phone. She should be able to hear. I think she secretly wants her mom to die. Uh, that's that's, that's reaching. Maybe it's subconscious. No, she she seems pretty upset. I, I'm sure she was. So, what happened with the sister infiltrating the cult? How does her story end? Well, she's the one who stabs. Um, she stabs somebody in that final scene. I can't remember who. That's her entire buildup. Yeah, she's the one that I think she is supposed to sacrifice um, Alex, but instead she stabs someone else. I could be remembering that totally wrong though. Maybe you should just watch it. Yeah, I have the I have the
1: I have it playing in the background. So all the cultists are fucking.
0: All the sacrifices on the table. That was the least interesting orgy scene I've ever seen in a movie, by the way. I am
1: positive that we watched um, an edited version of this film.
0: Oh, yeah. Good call. Because now that I think about it, that scene was awkward. Like, it was strangely edited.
1: I think it's the maintenance man who gets stabbed first. But she stabs him, right? And then she stabs, I believe, the grandfather who is going to be uh, performing the sacrifice. Mhm. Yep. And then that's when uh be- because the ritual is disrupted all the cultists start to show their true age. They start like withering into like their 150-year-old selves. And um, I'm assuming most of them
0: are just dead. I thought this scene was actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, it better be we sat through hour and freaking 18 minutes for this
0: stuff. Yeah, it's pretty well done though. Um, this takes way too long to get here. Somehow, Father Thomas escapes fine, though. Yeah, he just fucking leaves. He literally just walks out. Yeah, even though on his way, the police finally show up and they try to shoot him several times and it does nothing. Oh, that's like before the sacrifice. Yeah, well, it the sacrifice is going on and I thought at some point while it's going on he's out in the foyer I don't know why he was out there I was confused by that the two detectives are in
1: their office pondering over a chalkboard with a bunch of nonsense written on it and one of them's like the the answer is here the the murder is on this board the connection has to be there and then the other guy's like oh maybe we should just listen to that boyfriend that got fucking murdered Oh, yeah. oh oh! it's the father all right well let's go to the church so they take their comically oversized revolvers into the church where they are confronted by father Satan,
0: <laughs> <Seton. laughs> <Seton. laughs>
1: and they try to shoot him and of course he's imbued with the power of satan so he just shrugs that shit off and um he attacks them but somehow doesn't kill either detective. So once the Reverend fucks off, one of the, the investigators just gets back up and, and keeps pursuing the, the criminals. It shows up um, admittedly way too late to stop the sacrifice, but thankfully the sister did her part in sabotaging it.
0: Right, and, and the in the very final scene, we see Father Thomas like out selecting a new church i think
1: yeah he's with a realtor he's like yeah i will buy this giant stone cathedral property that clearly no one else owns for some reason like a corporation would snatch this shit up
0: so do you think that he was able to survive and like didn't age or anything because he is more powerful or he cast some sort of spell or do you think he's something non-human like he's a demon I think he's just like Satan's
1: most devoted. So as long as he is in Satan's favor, he is basically protected.
0: Okay, I can buy that. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, I'm not sure why he can't just protect more than one person. I doubt he
0: is the only leader of a Satanist cult like this in on the planet. I imagine that Satan has little uh, like covens all over the place. Oh, like Egypt, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> apparently, yeah. Well, I'm sure out there there's a greater primeval universe. If you feel like exploring that, I'm sure, there's lots of Tumblr fan fiction about
0: it. Somehow, I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. With that, let's get to final thoughts and a rating out of four. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: it, I think it's no secret we might we might not look on this film favorably. <laughs> it's uh very hard to follow. the audio balancing is terrible. the plot convoluted. <laughs> i think that's the third time we've said that that word in, the, in in an episode ever uh in this show. and then uh there is there are some some lights in the tunnel here and there. the, the sisters recruitment into the into the satanic cult i i, I think is a pretty is a pretty cool scene for this kind of film. Uh, the finale with the cultists uh preparing for the sacrifice. That's all right. Everything in between though, forgettable. Um, at least I hope so. Maybe maybe I think like, like a decade from now, someone will ask me on a horse drawn carriage what's wrong, and I'll be like, you know, let me tell you about this movie I saw Prime Evil, back in twenty twenty-three. Uh, a half star and i think that's really generous
0: <laughs> um yeah i don't have a whole lot new to add i should really like this movie right i really like movies set in grimy 1970s and 80s new york i really like movies involving satanism and cults um and satanic imagery and like satan all things satanic panic in the 80s uh i i love that stuff so it it should be hard to make a movie about those things that I don't enjoy. But I, this was a struggle to sit through. Um, It's just you don't care about any of the characters. And I think that's partially because there's too many characters and there's too many stories going on at one time. And it takes you quite a while to figure out how they're all related. And by that point, as I said earlier, you probably don't really care what's going on anymore because this movie saves all of its like Satanism elements until. Well, there's some in the very beginning and then the rest is at the very end and uh, yeah, like Leland said, everything in between is um, kind of dull. So uh, the acting isn't bad. Um, it's fine for what this is, but it can't save the the script or um, the direction is just like flat and boring, just like all over Berta Finlay's direction, really. But there are movies where I think that serves the story better, like Tenement. Half Star.
1: There's like 26 named characters
0: in these credits. Yeah, it's it's way too many. Somebody was very passionate about this script. All right, so we need to consult the magic eight ball and see what our new topic areas are going to be. All right, here goes
1: Your three options are conspiracies, radiation, or the entertainment industry.
0: I'm debating between radiation and conspiracies. Um, let's go with radiation. Ooh, radiation. And did you want to remove one of the others? What was the third one? Not conspiracies, not radiation. The entertainment industry. No, we can keep it.
1: All right, then. I'm looking forward to some radiation films.
0: All right. I already have some good ideas, but actually next week we are going to try something new. Um, We've decided that in between each roll of the eight ball, uh, we are going to inject something random, something uh, that might not fit into other categories and um, is just something that's true to the spirit of the show. Next week, we're going to watch a movie that I wanted to do for a while, but it just it hasn't fit in a category. Um, and I think it, it's so unique in its tone and uh, very fitting for our podcast. Um, and that is Extro from 1982.
1: Okay. Yep, okay. That's You can find that very easily. Um, lots of places, including archive.org.
0: Which is cool because um, it didn't used to be Available. Is it streaming on any place normal, like YouTube or anything? Tubi has Extra 3. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which I have very
1: clearly remember seeing the box art of um, when I was in video stores in the 90s.
0: What... Like, this movie doesn't entirely work, but I think you're really going to like it. What's most interesting about it is its tone. Like, I just... I'll never forget the the way it feels to watch this movie this is an alien abduction film right yes is this a is this
1: like a serious take on it or just straight up you know pulp
0: sci-fi no this is a this is a horror film more than anything and I think it's trying to be serious I mean I don't believe in alien
1: abduction but you know what I mean when you know I say the is does the film take it seriously
0: yeah the for sure it's a serious film I mean, you might, maybe you'll find it humorous. I don't know. Because um, there are ways in which the movie doesn't work, like I said. But for the most part, I find this to be kind of a disturbing film. Even if like, say, 40% of the film
1: doesn't work. The thing we just talked about, 98% didn't work. Yeah.
0: No, I think you'll really like Extra. Um, the, there are some really cool effects in it uh, and imagery, and you never know where it's going. And the tone and the mood it establishes is very eerie and and unsettling. So I'm excited to talk about it. All right. So next week we are watching Extra. Um, If you have not seen it, check it out. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares. Leland, any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We'll talk with you all soon about Extro. Have a good one, everybody.